Hey everybody, welcome back to a new mystery, a Scooby-Doo podcast, where we cover the joys, love, and innocence of our favorite pup and his gang's mysterious adventures. Today we have our third episode, technically, but it is our second episode of the original series, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? from 1969, and that episode is called A Hassle in the Castle. Um, I will, though say however before we get started i'll bring up the big thing that we've all probably been wondering for a while um the fact that i've been mia for a couple months at least i haven't been keeping track um but yeah i apologize for totally being absent for this long time um any of you who follow my instagram I just now actually updated that too, um, letting you guys know that things have just kind of been crazy back home. Um, I have a new litter of puppies and we've been working on, you know, taking care of them and the farm and, you know, we just, things have been chaotic. Um, but I've been trying to slowly reel myself back in because not only have things been chaotic in like my work sense and at home, but mentally you know we all we all go through through some things um and i guess if i'm gonna be honest with you guys i have definitely been a little in the dumps when it comes to my mental health um so i guess i've been trying to work on that as well i mean not really i'm not actually working on it i'm just kind of yeah anyways so I just wanted to let you guys know that I apologize for my absence, um, and I'm back for now, at least, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, this is just going to be a little intro, as you'll hear. I'm recording this before I actually record the um, episode content piece, because I just wanted to get this out of the way really quick and make sure I didn't forget it. Um, cause you know how I can be when it comes to putting out content. <laughs> um, all right. So I hope you guys stay tuned and <laughs> gosh, I'm so bad at these anyways. All right, gang, stay tuned and be ready. We have ourselves a new mystery. Hey gang, what's up? I'm back with our third episode of the podcast and our second episode of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? from 1969. Um, I know it's been a while since our last episode, but I'm back now and I hope you guys enjoy. Now, we will, I'm sorry, we will start off the episode with the opening scene as well as the opening camera view. Um, we start off with a camera angle from a castle and it zooms in on a ghost holding a telescope, staring out of the castle's window. And he focuses in on the gang who we see inside of a boat. The um, We focus in on the gang who they're... They're riding in a small in a small craft boat, which I've always loved this episode, by the way, because I grew up on a lake. I, I grew up on the water. I mean, any of my Instagram followers saw me those days when I was on the boat. So just a small scene like that with the gang and the crew hanging out. It's kind of nostalgic and it kind of makes me think of Outer Banks, the show, which side note, I really love. But anyways, we're not going to talk about that. Um... So yeah, I love the fact that they start the episode off in a boat for some reason. Um, we hear Daphne go, You sure picked the spooky day to go boating, Freddy? And Freddy replies, It didn't start out that way. What could have happened? And, you know, Velma has to reply with her smarts and says, It's very simple. It, I had to uh, make sure that I got what she said exactly because you know how I like to uh, include the like actual dialogue because I love the dialogue sometimes <coughs> excuse me sorry Velma says it's very simple 
When the barometric pressure dropped and the offshore air came in contact with an inland cold front, we ran into some unnavigable nucleation. And because nobody ever really knows what Velma is talking about, um, Fred just goes, you're right, Velma, whatever you said. And to make it more clear, obviously, she clarifies and replies, we're lost in a fog. And that's when we hear from Shaggy, who pops out from the cabin of the boat and says, you buzzed? Now, I know I've said I don't want to touch on any of the controversial things with Scooby-Doo, but I do want to be real, and I feel like avoiding certain topics would just be kind of fake. So, (coughs) excuse me, sorry. Um... A big speculation of that scene right there when Shaggy asked about, you know, you buzzed. They think it's like a marijuana reference, whether it has to do with the fact that they're actually in the fog or they think that it's smoke, you know, or the fact that he just said you buzzed. But one, they are literally in the fog and two, like he could have just heard someone say something and that they were talking to him. And he just popped out and be like, hey, you know, you rang, you you called me. It's as simple as that. But, you know, we don't got to take it anywhere more dr- dramatic than that. But I will say that regardless, the show was made in 1969 and in the 70s. And we all know what people were doing in those days. So we know what people are doing nowadays, like today. So either way, I mean, everyone knows, at least those who follow me on Instagram, y'all know that I too and one for the marijuana <laughs> But I don't think that their references necessarily have to insinuate that. But then again, I also wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of hidden innuendos in there. Because like I said, it would have been the perfect time. But I also give Hanna-Barbera and the production a little more credit. Because it is a kid's show and the whole reason why Scooby-Doo did so well then and is still doing so well now today in 2021 is because it's always been neutral it's always been able to air everywhere any time of the day and draw in any audience from anywhere of any age so it's kind of special and precious that way because so that like that's my whole point i guess is to leave well enough alone we don't have to take it there like now okay yeah we we just we don't have to take it there sorry so like hopefully that's like the first and last time that i ever mentioned anything like that uh just because you know i don't want to be fake anyways um boop 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 back to it so after shaggy says you buzzed velma says no silly now go back to sleep and of course shaggy's like sleep nothing i'm fixing me a super shaggy sandwich And here we find out, apparently, Shaggy's, um, what Shaggy's favorite sandwich is, which is the double tricker, tricker, double triple decker sardine marshmallow fudge sandwich. And to be honest, some of that actually doesn't sound too bad, except for the sardine part, because, you know, I mean, I love seafood and fish, like, a lot, if not almost all seafood that I love, but no. Just, no. Um, so Shaggy goes to take this big bite. You know, he's just going to eat this whole thing whole in one bite. But of course, Scooby sneaks in there and snatches the whole thing. And, you know, Shaggy, he goes, well, at least he left me the olive. And he goes to, he goes to eat the olive. And he closes his eyes again. Like, okay, I feel like he should know by now that like this is his dog or sorry rather his best friend i feel like he should know by now that at this point that scooby's probably gonna try and steal his food so you know he should probably be more cautious around scooby i'm more cautious around my dogs come on now because scooby just comes in and he snatches that like he snatches the olive right out of shaggy's fingers again and he goes, with him around, I can't even get a bite in edgewise. <laughs> like, he should just know. Okay, why you gotta close your eyes every time you take a bite? He's probably trying to savor the flavor. Savor the flavor. But come on. Don't, don't be trusting 
don't be trusting Scooby like that. I love Scooby and we trust him with our life, but don't trust him with your food. Come on now. Um, so just after that, we hear a small, like, little shift in the background. Um, and we hear Daphne say, now what happened? And Fred answers, it looks like we run aground. And Shaggy says, yeah, but where? And, of course, Velma has to be the one to point out the scary and says, well, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like we're stuck on Haunted Isle. While pointing to the castle that we saw in the beginning opening scene. <laughs> Sorry I asked, Shaggy says. Um, the old Vasquez castle is on that island. Maybe we can find help there, Fred says. Although, sorry, he's always being the one looking to get into some trouble no matter what it is. Like, he's always just like, yep, let's go, I'm ready. So, in the next scene, we see the gang walking a trail where they are now on the island and Daphne makes a point where it's a little spooky because, you know... What is Scooby-Doo content without a little spook, right? And we start to focus on Scooby-Doo doing his doggo sniff, and he comes to find this small piece of material on the ground. And to me, at first, it almost looked like a spider web, but just as he puts his nose to it, it starts to move. It starts to move away, and of course, you know, he has to follow it. So he does, and he does this little tiptoe creepy thing. I love it. It's so cute. And... He stands upright trying to uh, sneak up behind it and he hides behind this big rock and uh, walks right up behind it and he plucks it up. But of course, there's always got to be something underneath of it or, you know, something hiding there to scare Scooby. And there's a crab right underneath of it and Scooby gets bopped right in the nose by the claw, the claw, ooh, the crab claw. Like a, that's like a little tongue twister. Crab... <laughs> crab... Crab claw, claw... Okay, I'm done. Crab claw. Say that ten times fast. Gosh, say it five times fast. I can't even say it once. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Scooby, he ends up keeping the material though and he goes running back to the gang to show him what he found because like even Scooby knows that he has a clue without even knowing that it's a clue. So, Scooby shows the gang what he found, and Fred grabs it and sees that it's a torn-up piece of map. But at the same time, Scooby's reading the opposite side that Freddy's reading, and he slowly spells out danger. And flips the map over, over to show Fred, and that's when we hear them explain to us the warning that we usually get before every mystery. How, like... You see a sign that says, beware, or in this case, the piece of parchment uh, reads, Fred reads out loud, danger, leave haunted aisle, is what the warning says this time. And then we hear Velma express that, like, it looks like someone doesn't want them on the island, which no one ever wants you guys hanging out, you know, doing whatever you're doing. And Daphne questions who and why they wouldn't want them on the island. And of course, Fred has to be like, I don't know, gang, but it looks like we find ourselves a new mystery. And maybe we'll find the answer at that old pirate castle. Come on, let's go. Just always. He doesn't even give them a chance to, like, breathe. He's just, all right, <laughs> let's go. Um, yep. Now, like, I'm probably always going to <laughs> mention the fact that Fred is... Like I said, just always ready to go. He's just 200% ready to go and hunt down some ghosts. Like, if I had to do some kind of weird weird reaction type thing for them, I guess my niche type would with him would totally be deciphering and decoding, like, mental health or something, which some would probably think would maybe be worse than incorporating drugs or something into it. But anyways, yeah. There's a lot of things that I could say about Fred's antics and his... Um, not necessarily controlling ways, but I mean, we gotta be a little honest. He's a little controlling. He's definitely, like, he definitely has a leader complex. But, like, he is the leader. He's the leader of the gang, so I'm the lead singer with my band. Okay, anyway, sorry. That wasn't even in the right flow, but... <laughs> okay. Um, 
So this would pretty much be when our mystery really starts because once they head out, they start walking away and that's when we see the ghost for, I guess, the second time. And the ghost is right behind him. Freaking spooky, right? Like, he's always, he's just right there, just hee-hee-hee, creeping on him. And I think that's why I've always loved Scooby-Doo, actually, regardless of how old I got. Because even though it's a kid show and it's fun and it's lighthearted, majority of the time, like, there are still moments where I got a little scared growing up. And even as an adult, I can still understand the feeling of being kind of creeped out through some of the ghosts or the evil mask figures, figures in the show. Like, I appreciate it. I like their production and the directing and the special effects. I just like how they put it all together. I guess for coming out in the 60s and the 70s and clearly not having the utmost amount of attention to detail in this show, they did pretty good keeping it, like I said, neutral and kind of equally level in all senses of any kind of entertainment or cartoon, especially for kids. Um, anyways... <laughs> So, after we see the ghost sneaking up on the gang, the gang shows up at the Vasquez castle, and Shaggy goes, Man, what a pad for a scarin. I'm pretty sure he says scarin, but... So it jumps to another scene, and Velma says that the place looks deserted, which, to be fair, almost all the places... Like, no, not almost, like, yeah, all the places that the gang checks out are deserted. Like, they have... A keen sense that just draws them to all the spooky places. Again, I think it's Fred. I really do. I think it's Fred. It's Fred. He's the one doing it. He brings them there on purpose. <laughs> but so the camera zooms in and we see a picture of a pirate holding a couple swords. And we hear Fred go, that's Vasquez the pirate. He sailed the seas in 1612. And Daphne says he must have used this old castle as a hideout. Now, it might be small, but I actually appreciate this piece of dialogue from Daphne here because she has always kind of been considered the ditzy and daffy one. And saying that it could have been a hideout isn't as obvious as you would think. But yeah, right after Daphne says that and they walk away again, the ghost is there creeping and stalking on them once again. Another scene of the gang walking through this mysterious castle and Velma states that she once read that these old castles were loaded with traps. And Daphne goes, Oh, don't be silly. That only happens in movies. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a terrible impression. But just as she's saying movies, she falls into a booby trap. Because, you know, danger-prone Daphne. Um, so yeah. Daphne falls into a trapdoor, of course, and as the gang is standing over this trapdoor uh, that Daphne fell into, they hear the ghost again, and his little giggly laugh, and the rest of them start heading out, and like they run away, but they're like, we gotta find Daphne. Um, and when they hear this giggle... Shaggy's like, he mentions, he mentions it, and Velma is like, oh, it's just the wind. You know, she's like, it's probably just the wind. And Shaggy goes, well, that's the first wind I ever heard with a sense of humor. And, again, it might be small, but I appreciate, I appreciate that they give Shaggy these small one-liners that kind of just hit the spot, like, just occasionally enough. Because I'm pretty sure they do that because it was Casey Kasem and he was a huge, like, he was huge back in his day and he was a huge radio announcer or uh, broadcaster or radio host, you know what I mean. But that was kind of, like, his thing. So, but, I don't know. I like it no matter what, no matter how small these little one-liners were because they were always really good and they just hit the spot for me. So, anyways, I... Um, so then we get to the next part, and I love when Fred instructs, um, yeah, instructs Scooby to do, like, dog things. Like, when he says, Scooby, put your nose to work, and Scooby's just like, right, because he knows what to do. He knows he's, unfortunately, a dog, even though we know Scooby isn't a dog. Um, uh, so it flips to a new picture, and Daphne is banging on a door saying, let me out of here, let me out of here. 
I, I have to say these dialogue things like that because, like, her, the way Daphne says it is engraved in my head. Like, the way she says it is there, so I have to kind of, like, say it somewhat the same. Um, so, as she's saying it, she ends up managing to free herself and falls down this slide. And when she stands up, she's in this, like, basement, creepy cellar-type area. And she says, I wonder how do I get out of this creepy inner sanctum? And just as she decides which way to go, the creepy ghost guy sticks his hand to, like, stroke her head, but thankfully misses. And now, the ghost in Scooby-Doo kind of remind me of, like, the ghost in just about any horror movie which is like when they say how Michael Myers is always just walking after the victim and the victim is always running away like as fast as they can and even if they don't trip because they always trip Michael Myers or you know he's still gonna be there right in front of you or is gonna catch up to you like nothing and like that's kind of a bad example but what I mean is like the cliche is like oh my god how could you have missed that how could you have not gotten away or how could you have not actually grabbed her head like the timing is always the perfect amount of off and it's obviously like perfect for the effect because it's for the effect but still anyways we flip back to Velma and Freddy walking and they pass the skull head Shortly after, we see Scooby and Shaggy now walking, and they come to the same skull head and go, which way did they go? And I just want to know why and how Scooby and Shaggy always fall behind. Like, they always lose track of Velma, Fred, and Daphne. Even if they don't split up, even if all five of them are walking together, Scooby and Shaggy still somehow manage to fall behind. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, it's like what I mentioned about the horror movies, just a different aspect of it. It's just... It's strange to me, you know. Anyway, after talking to the skull head, Shaggy goes, I'm so scared, I wish I had a ham sandwich to calm my nerves. And then, um, a ham sandwich just, you know, appears out of nowhere. And I would be Shaggy, though, in this situation about the mustard. Like, come on, what do you know? It needs mustard. Of course it needs mustard. Like, now everyone should be loving mustard up in here. I mean, I'm just kidding. No judgment if you don't, but I'm... Like, a little judgment if you, a little judgment if you don't. <laughs> but, you know, Shaggy agrees. Mustard, bro, mustard. Anyways, so when he mentions the mustard again, like, a, a magically floating bin of mustard arrives, which I have to say is the cutest container of mustard I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen something like that. I appreciate it so much. It's such a cute little thing. And it kind of takes the, uh... I guess it kind of takes the knight in shining, you know, the knight of armor cutting the sandwich in half for Shaggy, like, I, it takes this random knight in armor cutting a sandwich in half upon Shaggy's request for the two of them to finally realize that someone or something is, like, you know, messing with them and they should probably get out. But at least they get a sandwich along the way. Because once the knight cuts the sandwich in half, that's, like I said, that's when they're like, oh my gosh, let's run away. Let's not run away when we end up with a freaking free sandwich and floating mustard. Okay. Anyways, sorry, you can hear my, my doggy in the background. Like I said, we just had a new litter. Hey, hey, be nice. Um, stop. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. Um, so yeah, finally, though, Daphne meets someone else, uh, from the crew. And unfortunately, she does so by hearing someone running, and she instantly just goes into defense mode and grabs a, a vase and just pops Shaggy right on the head once he turns the corner. And then, out of nowhere, Velma and Freddy show up. Like, wh where the heck were they even at? Wh what? Okay. Velma says, Shaggy found Daphne. And Fred jokingly says, for once he used his head. Just savage. Savage, Fred. Absolutely savage. So, a ghost cackle snaps them out of it. This, this damn cackle. It's such a creepy little cackle. Um... And Daphne points out that the ghost 
like she points out where the ghost is at so they all see it for the first time and we then hear the ghost for the first time speak instead of just doing his creepy giggle laugh and he says leave haunted isle and never return the phantom has spoken so well i i guess we learned that he is specifically a phantom which i never would have guessed i would have just considered him a ghost but you learn something new every day um but then of course he does his creepy ass laugh and they have to follow him just because of course and they're following him fast like they're chasing after him so fast and only the boys go too. it's like just shaggy fred and scooby that chase after him and they're running after him and they go to tackle the ghost but you know because he's a ghost or sorry a phantom they fly right through him and then he disappears into the wall and the gang is like a little perplexed at this and Velma goes there's a very logical explanation for this and Shaggy's like quick tell me Velma says the place is haunted I love the way and like the manner that they say it too like they're scared but they're still being funny the comic relief, it's its priceless. But the way Velma says that is like, the place is haunted. I love it. Um, when Shaggy suggests leaving the place and taking the Phantom's advice, of course, Freddy goes, no, Shag, we're not going. And Scooby does this, like, should have had a V8 reference. You know what I mean? We're like, should have had a V8. And they slap, like, they slap your face. Yeah. Um, oh. I lost my place in my notes. But yeah, it's not like I haven't seen this episode a million times before. Um, but yeah. Do, 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 do. So yeah, he does like that, that oh, face palm. I guess I could have called it a face palm rather than being like, oh, should have had a V8. Um, so yeah, Scooby does this face palm when Fred's like, no shag. We're not going anywhere. Um, because Scooby knows exactly what's next. It means that they're going to go freaking chase down this ghost again. Um, but yeah, that's my way of explaining what he does. Um, I just love it, though. Um, when Shaggy asks why, why they're doing this, Fred replies with three good reasons. First, no phantom is going to scare us away. Second, why does he want us off this island so bad? And third, we're marooned. And Shaggy answers, I'll buy that last one. Now, I had to look up what marooned meant because I know of maroon as like the color. So I was intrigued to find out that marooned means to literally like be ashore of a desolate, sandy, deserted island where you're basically trapped. And yeah, I appreciate that they put that in there. Um, and that Shaggy answered it in like an understandable way, like reasonable, where he was just like, Yep, I believe that, because that's the only thing that makes sense that came out of your mouth, is we are trapped. Yep, we are trapped on this creepy island, and you still want to... Okay, anyways. <laughs> so, while the boys are discussing this, Daphne calls out from the other side of the room, and brings to their attention a clue that she just found. And... She says that she found an old key inside of an old chest, and they assume that it must belong to the Phantom. And they see that there's writing on it, and read it aloud. The second passage of the old bell, and Fred apparently realizes that there is no old bell in the castle, so naturally, Velma figures out exactly what it means, and says that the passage must mean from a book passage. I love secret codes like that, like National Treasure. Hello. I also think that's the second time that I've referenced National Treasure in this podcast so far. Anyways, so Fred thinks that the old bell must be the name of the old book that has this passage. However, they decided on all this, we'll, you know, we'll never know. But like I said before, they've been out, you know, they've been doing this a lot longer than we think. So, you know, I believe them. Um, but then we bring it back to Daphne's ditso stuff, and she says, the best place to find a book is in the library. Like, duh. I mean, I guess it's not necessarily her being a ditz, but it could kind of just be, like, the educational part of the cartoon. Whereas, like, 
for me, growing up, if you ever watched uh, Dora the Explorer or Blue's Clues, at one point in the show, they literally turn and talk to the viewers or the audience and like the camera asking, what do you think? Or, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like that, like a learning process for a younger audience, but in a completely different way, because it almost seems like Scooby-Doo is not meaning to talk to the audience or like break that fourth wall. But the way that Daphne says some things, it's so simple and like, duh, that you think she's talking to a younger group, still maturing educationally wise. But so maybe she's not ditzy. Maybe it's just an excuse for the production team to um, talk to a younger group and make it easier for them to understand, which is totally reasonable, right? Like that would make sense to me. Um, so, okay, we have the eyes again. Remember the eyes in the paintings on the wall that are literally always following you? Um, and this one kind of just does like a flicker, not necessarily an eye roll, but you know, it's still there, which I love. Uh, so in the library, they find the book and in the second passage, they learn that apparently catacombs is outlined in the color red and Velma says that they will find catacombs in the basement. I didn't really know what that meant, but (laughs) so they take that big giant key down to the basement and behold, it unlocks the door. So Fred again has Scooby go check things out. Scooby's like, are you kidding? And Fred's like, no, I'm not kidding. The way Fred says that, too, and the way they make his face look is just kind of priceless. Um, And then, of course, flips the Scooby faking a tummy ache, which I love, because even though we've been watching, even though we've been watching for a while, like, in real life and whatnot, like, we're slowly now only being on episode two, at least the way that my um, back set says we're slowly being introduced to the typical antics that we always end up seeing in Scooby-Doo later on, like the gags and the faking being sick to try and get out of mystery hunting, especially on Scooby's part. Like Daphne literally calls it his fake wounded routine. (laughs) When Fred asks him if he'll do it for a Scooby snack, Scooby makes him settle on at least three because, you know, that's my boy and we ain't doing this shit for free. (laughs) Excuse me. So, just like that, we have our big, brave Scooby-Doo off doing his thing. And he walks into a room, and he ends up finding a magician's hat on, like, a little table. And he he, just, he pulls out a rabbit instantly. He just pulls out a rabbit, but then it disappears again. So, he uses the wand that is there with it as well, and he taps it. But instead of a rabbit flowers pop out and they squirt him in the face with water i hope and he looks at the camera a little bit of like a fourth wall breaking there which i just mentioned again like he kind of just looks at us like what the heck was that about but it's um he's he whistles over to the rest of the crew because he's like, it's all clear. So the rest of the crew, the gang comes in. I got to stop saying crew. It's gang. The rest of the gang comes in. Um, when they're walking through, Shaggy points out and notices all of the, these weird things that are in the room, like a saw and a toolbox, a disappearing cabinet, levitating table. And that's when Daphne asks, like, what all this stuff is even doing there. And Velma's like... I think I figured it out. (laughs) Okay. She figured it out. But I think I figured it out too, actually. (laughs) Anyways. So Fred then hears footsteps. And it's like, someone else is coming. We gotta go. So they run out of the room. But they literally run right back into the ghost. And, sorry, the phantom. And the phantom says, Leave Haunted Isle. Now you will pay. And Shaggy's like, I'll pay, I'll pay, how about four bits? And Fred's like, not that kind of pay, (laughs) not that kind of pay, Shaggy, let's go. So the gang runs away through the same door, and they run into these cabinets, right? I'm guessing the disappearing cabinets that Shaggy just mentioned. And Shaggy runs into one, Velma runs into another one, and when the cabinet door opens that Shaggy ran into, Scooby is the one that 
is in that cabinet, not Shaggy. And we now see Shaggy somewhere else, but he's inside of, like, one of the sawing boxes. And, like, I know, not to get too technical, but, like, bam, bam, it just jumps so fast from the plot, you know what I mean? Like, just, what the heck just happened? Um, but we learned that it was a dummy Shaggy in the box, which makes me think, like, where the heck did this phantom get a dummy voodoo Shaggy? It's kind of creepy, actually. Like, homeboy phantom just has a fake Shaggy dummy head. Okay. And then Shaggy pops out of the other side of the box, and I just get so thrown off and confused. Like, I appreciate it, but, like, what the heck just happened? Like I said, like, what? What did I miss? So, Fred and Daphne, they run to a magic carpet, and they get on it, and Fred just goes, I hope this works. Allie go, whoop, and the carpet takes off, which, again, brings me to a side point. They're more, like, well, more contradictory points, I guess. And this one, I feel, is pretty valid, but it has to do with the fact that they're always talking about how ghosts aren't real, and, you know, magically, that this stuff, like... Like, that they don't really believe in, like, the magic, that there's always an explanation for it, but this, the magic carpet is working, you know? So maybe they believe in magic, just not, like, the ghost part of it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, the carpet doesn't last long, though, because Scooby comes running from behind, and he grabs a hold, and all three of them wipe out, and he ends up scaring Daphne and Fred with the carpet, draped over his head, looking kind of like a little ghost. He's got a little babushka going on. Um, so when he opens the door, Fred and Daphne run away, scared. Um, so now, because of that, uh, Scooby is now in the room with the ghost, and he he busts down the door and gets the hell out of there. He gets the hell out of Dodge. Just simple. Um. So I don't know why I said simple. That was weird. Um. So and like a new scene, they're trying to figure out how to catch them. They're like, "Well, we've got the ghost. Now we just have to trap them." And Fred's like, "Well, that's simple." With that's why I said simple. Dun, dun, dun. He's like, with just a few things, that suit of armor and crossbow, cannonball and old string, and just like that, Fred builds a phantom trap. And when Daphne asks how they're going to find the phantom for it, Fred says that Scooby is going to. And, you know, he's just always putting Scooby on the spot, just because he's a damn dog, and, you know... Here we have Scooby again doing his wounded routine, and he's playing sick and cold like he has a fever. Like, can we not tell that Scooby doesn't want anything to do with this? Come on. So, um, they figure that the Phantom might not chase Scooby-Doo because he's a dog. So, Fred apparently already has in his head, don't worry, I have an idea. We'll just dress him up like a human. So, Scooby comes out in a tall trench coat with a hat and a giant bushy mustache. And Fred literally pushes Scooby out the door for it, too. And he's, like, trying to boost Scooby's confidence by telling him to pretend it's, like, Rin Tin Tin. And, like, when that doesn't work, he's like, well, what about John Wayne? And apparently, Scooby-Doo loves John Wayne because that definitely helped. So, now Scooby is looking around for the ghosts and he's yelling, um... Sorry. He's looking around for the ghost and he's looking in this vase just because you know which i it's fair i appreciate it like scooby-doo is looking in a vase because of course a ghost can fit in a vase like why not but of course he misses the ghost and the ghost kind of just pops his head out right after Scooby is there. But again, why not just attack when you have the chance, Mr. Phantom Dude? Like, I keep... <laughs> I keep saying ghost. My bad. But, like I said, it's like the horror movies. You had the chance to get them. Why not take it? But... Um... I like when Scooby gets his confidence up and he starts doing, like, his, his boogly-boogly thing to the Phantom. And he finally gets him to chase him. And, like, 
it's kind of a, a good way of tormenting. He's just like mocking the phantom. Um, so they chase for a little bit. And of course, Scooby-Doo trips over the trap and takes the whole thing. But like always, somehow at the end, even when the trap goes wrong, it always works out just enough to trap the bad guy anyways. So like, who's complaining? Uh, so just when the ghost says, you will not escape me. Scooby-Doo falls from the contraption and lands right on top of the ghost like the trap was gonna, you know, the trap always work, you know, it's just never how we expect them to. So in the next scene, I don't know if he's a sheriff or just like a police officer or like a coast guard or something, but a man in uniform comes up and he says that once the fog lifted, they were able to see the gang's um, shipwreck and decided to investigate. And that's when the officer points to the ghost and is like, who the heck is this guy? Sorry, the phantom. Who is this phantom? And that's when the gang goes into their outro. So they reveal the phantom and it turns out to be, according to the officer, an old friend, uh, Bluestone, the great ex-magician that's wanted in six states. And Daphne asked what he's doing on Haunted Isle. And the officer says that there was a rumor or legend about a Vasquez treasure and that everybody was interested. So they came to the conclusion that Mr. Bluestone was using all this magic to scare away um, scare away anyone who wanted this treasure. Like, treasure. Anyone who wanted this treasure because he wanted it for himself. Um, one thing, though, that Fred couldn't grasp was how he walked through those walls. Um, I like that they brought that back a little bit. Like, we know he's not real, but he still did something that we can't understand and we want to, like, learn about it more. So it's not, it's not all set in stone, easy, easy peasy. Um, so we have, he's like... According to Mr. Bluestone, because Mr. Bluestone was like, if you would allow me one last performance, um, it was apparently one of his greatest tricks yet, and he um, he said that it was merely an illusion done with mirrors and projectors. And that's that, that pretty much cuts it. And we hear Daphne um, ask if... You know, she's like, I wonder if the treasure's really, you know, real. And that's when they see Scooby-Doo digging for something. Like, like maybe it is a treasure. Only to have, like, this little beaver groundhog hedgehog thingy pop up, pop up out of the ground. I think it might be a beaver. I'm not sure. I kind of feel dumb for not knowing what that was. It kind of looked like a beaver. But anyways. Um... Yeah, and like a little Scooby giggle, and that gives us the end of the episode. I feel like I go through so much detail or like so much talking about the episode just to get to the end, and then it's like, okay, and that's done. Like, the way they end the episode, it kind of always seems so abrupt, but it's always like the perfect ending, you know what I mean? (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Alright, so, so yeah, that was the end of the episode. I'm sorry, I lost my space again in my notes. Do, 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 I have ADD. Uh, uh, uh. So yeah, um... I will do my usual end of the episode thing and wrap up where I discuss some main topics and points that interested me more so than some others. So, okay, so like I said, like the whole idea of them starting the episode off on a boat, even though that's like all we get from the boat, I really appreciate it. Especially Velma's grammar, though, in this area. <laughs> like, um,. Like, in her vocabulary, when it comes to her explanation for the fog, like, <laughs> uh, like, the ghost, sorry, no, 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 no. let me finish the, the explanation first. Yeah, like, 
the vocabulary and her grammar, like, I know she's smart, but I just, I love that she has to say all those things, knowing that the rest of her gang is probably not going to know what she's talking about. Um, so, and then we have the ghost, the freaking creepy, sorry, the phantom, sorry, the phantom's laugh. It's so creepy. It's so freaking creepy, but I love it. Um, yeah. So, another one. They don't really jump ahead that much in skip scenes or anything like that, but they do kind of jump from, like, one to the next in kind of a splotchy manner. Like, this might be the only show or way that I will actually appreciate that, because we know what the point is. Like, we don't need all the details. Uh, like, that's not what, that's not why cartoons are so popular, you know what I mean? Like, it's because it's kind of just cartoons are more popular like that because it's quick to the point and we know that and like the older you get especially with scooby-doo i feel like the more you sit there and you just kind of like scratch your head like what the heck is like what the heck just happened because it's so sporadic sometimes like especially the scenes where it's like it jumps and jumps and jumps where like when you're a kid it makes sense because you're like you only need to know the main point, you know what I mean, you you just see, like, yep, it's, like, the picture is worth a thousand words, it really is sometimes, like, you're watching the screen, and you see something just to go to the next, and you're, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, like, they're running away from a ghost here, now they caught the ghost, that's kind of all you need to see, um, so, I, I kind of appreciate that, like, even though they kind of jump from, like, thing to thing, um, yeah, because, like I said, when they ran into uh, what they mentioned as the disappearing cabinets, just to have a completely different scene right around the bin, like, I guess that's the point of, like, the disappearing cabinet, though, um, to be mysterious. But, like, I guess they had a fair point there. Um, okay, and of course with Daphne, there's always been this thing in the film industry where every show or movie has to have, like, a dumb character and in my childhood, they usually made them blonde, I guess. Some made it for, like, redheads, or you have the brunette, like, in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. You have London. Uh, but either way, it just goes to show that even in the 60s, they had the same stereotype idea thing going on, which we won't get into, but I appreciate the goofy things like that. Like, I don't mind seeing a dumb blonde on a show. Like, even though I'm blonde, I don't take it personally. So, even though sometimes I sit there like, come on, don't do my girl like that, I still get a small good giggle out of it because I know what they're doing. And it's all good, I'm here for the fun. But, back to the very beginning where we learn about Shaggy's favorite sandwich, the super, or the triple double decker sardine marshmallow fudge sandwich. I know it's only like the second episode, but the names and the titles that Shaggy gives his food or what he puts on his food is just out of this world. Like, I want to know who the genius was in the writing room who came up with the food and the ingredients that were going to go on Shaggy and Scooby's meals because some of them sound really good and others sound like absolutely disgusting. But even the gross ones, I would totally try. Like, I have a Scooby-Doo cookbook that I've cooked a couple things out of so far, but... Like I said, I would totally be down to try even the weird ones. There is one on there. I think it's literally just like a, a pickle pizza, which I know could sound kind of gross, but I love pickles so much and I love cheese. So I don't know if I would, I don't even know if it had tomato sauce, like pizza sauce on it. I don't remember reading that part, but I don't know if I would put it on there. Maybe, maybe that's too much acidity, but I don't know. The picture that they have in this cookbook, it just looks so good. Like the pickles look so good and so tasty. And the cheese, oh, like, I would totally try that. But, like, I might actually have to do that again, where I eat random, like, Scooby-Doo stuff, because I did that. Um, the main one that I liked was just their basic, like, the sandwich. I did the triple double-decker shaggy sandwich, but this cookbook didn't have the sardine recipe, which I am thankful for, because I'm not sure I would have actually bought the sardines to do it with. But maybe, like, when the end of the world actually hits, I'll have someone go out and get me some, get me some sardines or something like that. Because, yeah, only if it's, like, the end of the world, though. Because if I have an opportunity, I'll just, like, put 
turkey, peanut butter, mashed potatoes, A1 sauce, vegetable soup, cheese, I don't know, like, all kinds of weird crap on a sub bun, and eat it that way. I'll do that. Um, I'll do all kinds of weird stuff. Like, I've done it before. Uh, like, I actually did it, I think I was in, like, 7th or 8th grade, and I did a number 9 replica sandwich from, like, The Sweet Life. Um, I like that I've referenced The Sweet Life now, like, twice um, in this episode. But, yeah, I tried their weird sub from that one episode where there's literally, like, 10 ingredients on this one hot dog or something. Um, I don't know, but I ate most of the sub that I made. I did get yelled at by my dad, though, because we worked in a restaurant at the time, and he claimed that I was just wasting all this good food. I ate at least half of it. Like, it's not my fault that the sub was so gosh darn big. I mean, it was my fault, but that's not the point, guys. Anyways, Scooby-Doo food will literally always be iconic. It just, it is. Um, so another one... I did catch on a little bit when it came to them figuring out how the mystery was going to be solved. I think I mentioned that, um in that part where like usually I hear Velma go it's starting to make sense or the mystery is just about solved and I start thinking what the heck is she talking about I haven't noticed anything that made me put the pieces together yet but this episode I actually understood because when Shaggy mentions all the magician gear and equipment it kind of clicked in my head like oh yeah that would make sense why he went through that wall and why he's flying and because in retrospect knowing Scooby-Doo so much as I do now They always find logical explanations for the ghostly activities that they encounter. And even though it's been like 24 years of me watching the show, I still get surprised sometimes. And I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that because I love Scooby so much that it just warms my heart for me to notice things like notice anything new. Um, So I think that this could pretty much. Um. Yeah, I think this could pretty much cover the whole episode. I do want to add in here that if any of you listeners out there have any ideas of another direction, we can take this podcast and like discussion wise, maybe let me know. Check out my Instagram and you can either follow my Poly Mystic Writer or a Scooby-Doo podcast. Those are my two main ones that I'm focusing on right now. The one is obviously for the this Scooby-Doo podcast and the other one is my artist writer profile. Um... I left my Cash App link in my Instagram bios as well. If you feel like helping me out, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And like I said, if you have any ideas of what else we can do and where we could go with this uh, podcast, let me know because I'm definitely interested in the rest of the community's opinion. Um, So that's it, gang. I will see you next time and I will... (laughs) Try not to be so late um, and so out of the loop this next one. All right, gang. Till next time. Love you. Peace.